Hello, it's been a while. If you pick up on my voice being a little bit, um, I don't know, sultry, it's because I have bronchitis. But I hope to get through this little um, intro without coughing. Uh, Kai Pineda is our guest, and uh, I met Kai through an online, online group on Facebook of Women of Color. And um, I had the uh, privilege and honor to be on her launch team for her book, Dear Church. And um, so the book is about racial reconciliation. And um, I loved uh, being able to have her as a guest, especially because Kai's heart is all about um, being gentle and welcoming and um, wanting to uh, open the conversation about race within the church. Um, in a way that uh, anybody would feel safe to just sit and talk about. So uh, it's taken me a while to even jump in on uh, being part of the conversation, and you will find out why, so I recommend that you stick around. Uh, this is part one of the podcast. We um, had a bit of trouble towards the end, so it does cut abruptly, and I did the best I could with editing, because that is just not my forte. I like to talk. I'm not technical. And uh, you will have part two uh, next week. So without much further ado, I will leave you with Kai. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. I was just thinking I really could use like some soup and uh, some TV. Oh, it is cold, too. rainy, and actually it's like at the cusp of freezing. So I'm here in Pennsylvania and um, the trees are starting way down with some ice. Um, so hopefully it'll stop raining soon or we're going to have some branches all over the place. Oh, it's cold <laughs> here too in St. Louis. So I, I feel your plight. Mm. It is cold, cold. Well, I'm really excited to record this because I think we're going to have some juicy, juicy things to talk about for sure. Yes. In this climate that we have of uh, race and uh, just the constant fighting. Um, mm. It'll be interesting to talk about. But before we continue, how about you introduce yourself and you can say as little or as much as you want people to know about you. And then we'll go from there. Great. Well, my name is Kai A. Panetta. I am a Jesus lover. I am a girl who um, was born and raised in Northern California, left at uh, 22, lived in New York, uh, and have lived so many other places since then, <laughs> and now <laughs> reside in Los Angeles and St. Louis. Uh, I am married to a wonderful Puerto Rican Cuban man who... Uh, I do ministry with, and we plant home fellowships uh, within the U.S. and abroad, and they are called Kingdom House of Worship, and we have one in Los Angeles, Indiana, St. Louis, uh, the country of Belize, as well as we are starting two more in the new year in Tennessee and in Dallas. Wow. Yes. Well, I'm curious now. So House of Worship, is it like home churches? Yes. So, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. so we literally go into communities um, in Los Angeles. We're in Inglewood uh, and we uh, are in an apartment building and we uh, have an apartment that's empty that we use for fellowship. And so people not only in the building, but in the community 
meet there in St. Louis, where we our most recent plants, which we planted in 2017. Um, my husband came to St. Louis. We found a property in actually uh, one of the worst areas within the country. It uh, a couple years ago was rated one of the top ten worst places to live. Oh wow! And we t- yeah, and we took a four apartment. Uh, it was a a four apartment dwelling, and mm-hmm. we made it into w- one home. And so we have the fellowship here in St. Louis. Um, we were blessed to have two of our ministers from LA come with us. And so we've renovated three homes in this area and we put people in them and uh, we have Bible studies on Tuesdays and fellowship on Friday nights. Wow. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we do. Goodness. We'll have to record another episode just to talk about (laughs) the challenges and the blessings and all that that come with uh, Mm -hmm. planting churches, girlfriend. Yes, 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 yes. So we haven't officially met in person, but we are part of an online group of yeah. women of color, which I come to be like, oh, I love my color. <laughs> <laughs> me, too. me too. Me too. Me too. Um, but when I saw that you were launching this book called Dear Church, and it's volume one, so what is that, of three? Right. Yes. Yes. Um, I love the subtitle, The Beauty of the Body. Thank and you. so um, I was just like, mm, I need to get on this. So <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to put myself a little bit out there here because okay. I am new actually to this conversation of okay. the um, uh, of just race and color. So I'm Puerto Rican. So, you know, shout out to your boy. Hey. <laughs> but th- yeah, let me tell you quickly, we, we just got really sad because my sister in law shipped us some pateles oh. and they got here and they were bad oh, oh no you know that's I cried. sad you know mm. I cried yes pasteles homemade pasteles mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. I'm mourning with you mm-hmm. we, we need okay. a, we need a minute of silence we here. need a minute mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes um. not a tamale <laughs> not a tamale no it's a whole different ball game oh uh. different ball game. Yes. oh my gosh um so, you know, I've had many conversations and um, I, where I'm coming from. So I grew up, my dad was in the military. So I grew up in the States in different places, you know, mm-hmm. and abroad and everything. But um, he got out. And so from the time I was 10 years old until 20, I lived in Puerto Rico. So basically my formative mm-hmm. years. I and love Puerto so, Rico. Yes, yes. And um, so when it comes to race, um, mm-hmm. what I remember the most and you know and more connected to is just being as a Puerto Rican right right well when you go to Puerto Rico and you look around we have folks that are I mean Mm -hmm. black I mean you would Mm -hmm. think they just came off the boat from Sudan right and then we have people that are blonde blue eyes have never been out of the island I mean we we have them all right so race we just don't identify by color of skin we're just Puerto Ricans so I come from that and I come here and um I guess because I just don't have any context. I don't have the trauma. I don't have the experience mm-hmm. of having been discriminated against by anybody because yeah. we were all Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I know it exists and I, you know, I see some people, but it just was, you know, I live just like in probably any other white person around, to be honest. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Move along. I've never been followed in a store. I've never been stopped because I'm Puerto Rican. I've mm-hmm. just, you know, whatever. Yeah. So fast forward to the current climate, you know, and I'm seeing it more and more. And 
um, I'm just kind of like, well, okay. So how do I get into, because if I see injustice, I will speak up. I don't have any problem with that. So if I saw somebody being discriminated against somebody else or whatever my face, it'd be on. I don't care what nationality you're from, what country, you could be Chinese, whatever, you know. Um, But I just have never even been around that either to even sense it. And I think because I just don't have the context, Mm -hmm. maybe somebody had been just been rude to me or something. But my mind is not going to go to, oh, are you being racist? Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like, what's your problem? You're rude and... uh, you want to hear something? <laughs> because, yeah, right, you know, I, right. I wouldn't stand for, for, you know, any abuse either, period. Mm-hmm. But I've never been called a spick or I don't yeah. even know what the racial, you know, right. I just don't because I just don't have any. And so um, after, you know, seeing your book and seeing um, just different people talk about the pain and whatnot, I thought, you know what? I don't know what it's like, but I can mm-hmm. still be a conduit Mm-hmm. And I can still be in the fight and be there and support and spread the word. And yeah. this is why we're recording. And this is where we're at. Mm. I also have two children that are Ethiopian. So although mm. um, culturally they may not, they don't actually relate to the African-American experience. Right, right. Nobody's going to look at them and be like, oh, yeah, you're Ethiopian. <laughs> you know? Right. They have dark skin, you know. Yeah. So yeah. at some point, they're, they're probably going to end up um, having some kind of experience, I imagine. The area that we live in is very white, but mm-hmm. it is very accepting. So we don't even have those issues, like, blatantly here, at least right. as of now. As right. of now. You know, you know right. hopefully yeah. the tide will turn, you know. But as of now, um, pretty much wherever they go, they're very much loved. They're, you know, very kind. Um, you know, children, they're entering the workforce now and wherever, you know, they're loved at work and just the community, you know, is, is great. Um, this, you know, community we live in, but, um, you know, I'm not ignorant and I'm not uh, naive enough to think that at some point, you know, they won't experience, um, right. The, uh, the racism or bigotry or whatever at some point, um, I'm, I don't know. I've escaped it in 45 years. I'm not sure. Hopefully they won't, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, not my kids or not us, you know, who knows? So here I am. I am offering my podcast and my person as a conduit Mm. to just spread the word because a lot of my um, listeners are actually Caucasian. Um, A lot of my friends um, on the internet world are in the book world. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to be part of the change and I can spread the word. And I want you to share your experience. I want you to talk about your book, you know, Mm -hmm. what led you to it so Mm -hmm. that other people can join in and spread the word. Um, And whether they need a heart change because they themselves have some racism in there or um, some unrecognized bigotry even. And if not, then to join in and spread the word as well. So that's where we're, that's where we're at. Wow. I love everything that you said. And I think what is what is most important is one of the last lines you said is that, yes, this has not happened to my children as of today, but I can't be ignorant to think that it may never happen to my children. Mm -hmm. that, That is powerful in itself because it already says that despite the beautiful life and the beautiful place that we've been able to live, which is all um, 
loving and inclusive of all races, my kids still live in a world that our bubble, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've been able to be in a certain bubble in our area where what may be happening globally isn't happening locally, but we can't ignore what's happening globally. Yes. And what makes it, so for me, if we started the origin of Dear Church, the origin of Dear Church really wasn't about the racism that I did experience um, growing up, wasn't even about the racism I experienced within the body. Because I think sometimes we look at racism and we look at it as a non-Christian issue. And that is not true. (laughs) There's there's levels to that. (laughs) You know what? Let's just dig in. Because here's the thing. I know that a lot of I know of a lot of people that will say that they are not, you know, racist. And I think they really they believe it, believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is this level of um, cognitive dissonance that they're, Mm -hmm. you know, which is being unaware. Mm -hmm. Right. When when you're in an area that's pretty diverse, but your whole church is all white. Mm-hmm. What, why was that you know and yeah I don't think people think about it and so I think the the reflection of where you're at will mostly I mean of the uh, of your congregants will definitely um, reflect the area you live in I mean if you live in a predominantly yeah. white area yeah well probably there are going to be more white people but mm-hmm. are there no blacks are there no Hispanics? Mm-hmm. Are there no Asians? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- mm-hmm. what's, what's you know, the ratio here? Right. So, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Who are you sharing your faith with? Who are you inviting into your doors? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I think a lot of the times that we, I think we mix up two things, um, which is prejudice mm-hmm. and discrimination. Mm. I think, you know what I mean? I, I think a lot of times that is why people say I'm not a racist. Okay. So go ahead and dig in. Okay. Make clear what the distinction is. Mm -hmm. Right. So we want to go, let's just go Webster dictionary, Mm -hmm. right? If we go prejudice, it's a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. Okay. Or it's prejudice has a result where the action or the judgment can cause harm. Okay, so that's prejudice. Now, racism (laughs) is a discrimination directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that the one that one's own race is superior. Now, here's the thing. We may not say that out loud. Mm -hmm. We may not say, I think that we are superior to Haitians or Asians or Polynesian, you know what I mean? Like, I may not think that, but if we look at our societal structure and if we then look at the, even, okay, so we're going to society. Now let's go to the Christian Mm -hmm. structure. When we look at the top tier ministries in Christendom, they are not run by people of color. And when I say people of color, I'm not just talking about African-Americans exclusively. I'm talking about Latinos, African-Americans, Asians. You know what I mean? I'm Mm -hmm. talking about the list of all people of color. Okay. And so with that, 
what I think people feel is when we say racism, they say prejudice. Mm. And we're going, no, 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 no. There is a belief somewhere in there that you're superior. And we can see it just based on white privilege. Now, some people don't even know white privilege exists. Well, let me tell you something. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Let's, let's take a little detour. Mm-hmm. Because when that phrase started coming out a few years ago, I don't know how many yeah. years ago, I was, I, I was like, what in the world is, what is that? What do you mean white privilege? Mm-hmm. I didn't get it. I did. I myself mm-hmm. didn't understand what the term meant, to be honest. And I'm right. not even white. So I was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. well, whatever. I don't know. I don't understand what this white privilege thing people are talking about. Right. It really took me a long time. But I really had to be a willing to hear. And I think mm-hmm. that was the difference. I didn't get it. Right. It sounded stupid to me, to be honest. I'm like, what stupid thing? I don't even. Mm-mm. And I just moved on. Whatever, whatever. Because it just was not on my radar. It wasn't something that was mm-hmm. on my priority list of social issues to engage in. It really right. just wasn't. So yeah. I wasn't going to take the time to listen. And so as you know, time has gone on and my world expanded and I was listening and willing to listen more, then I heard him like, oh, okay. So walking into the store mm-hmm. and not being followed. Right. Yeah. Just because you're not of a certain race, mm-hmm. that's, you have a privilege. And I, I'm like, oh, because I yeah. think when I heard white privilege, I think I was hearing also that that needed to be attached to a certain amount of guilt and guilt and shame are not my poison. I will not touch that with. And so for me, I think they were synonymous. And so I just, and I wasn't, I'm not white, you know, I mean, I like, I love white folks, but, (laughs) but it wasn't, you know, and I just felt like there was just, to me, I assumed or not assumed. I just felt like there was this undertone of you need to be guilty or shamed or something. Right. And see, that's what I'm not a part of. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. white, I'm not to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. White. So having white privilege, um, you have to recognize that that doesn't mean you're racist. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are just two totally different things in themselves. But I think that we have to, be able to have conversations where we're able to see it and not ignore it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are instances where, um, even so for instance, I I was the only African-American girl in my classes growing up until seventh grade when another young African-American girl came to my class. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember now, I never felt like I was the only one. I just knew I was the only one, right? But nobody in my class, right, made this thing where I felt, oh, my gosh, I'm the only black girl. Yeah. But I could point out certain things when certain teachers, when I would excel or be just as good as anyone else, not be almost. So let me say this. In most instances, I was always seen as the and I'm using this phrase, the token black girl, mm. where I wasn't like all the other black kids. No, oh, so you right? were you were this exception. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh huh. Because my parents chose to put me in private school because my you know <laughs> I'm not smart because I'm the exception. I'm smart just because I work just like everyone in this class. I study just like everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So it was almost like I'm the super black girl. 
Yeah. yeah. That, no. As if there's only a handful of you guys that can Ex- pop out. Ex- exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. for instance, in high school, um, my freshman year, I was in cheerleading. I was a head cheerleader. I knew everyone, right? And I remember um, I went to a Catholic high school. I went to Catholic school most of my life. And we would have this 15-minute break, um, you know, in between classes. And there was this um, outside walkway they called the breezeway that had a snack bar and a group of people were in line and a group of friends of mine who were also African-American. And here's the thing at my school, there were maybe 40 of us. I could count them in the whole school. And so they were standing there and three of us walked over just to say hi. We were not getting in line. We were not doing anything. And I remember two senior girls that I knew said out loud, I can't stand when those niggers do that and cut. Mm. And I turned and I was like, did I? And I walked over to them. I was like, did you just? And they immediately said, oh, not you, Kai. Them. Oh, <laughs> have you looked at my color? And I lately? said, oh, my oh no, no, no. Yeah. All, not me. No, all of us. Like, you can't push me over here because we're cool. Mm-hmm. You Once you said it, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> you just build and a wall, sweetie. You just, right. Mm-hmm. You can't exclude me because you know me. Right. And so it's that kind of a thing. Right. Feeling that you can make statements and not be accountable, feeling, you know, understanding that you never have to wonder if you can sit at the table. Yeah. You don't ever Mm -hmm. have to think about it. Do you know what I mean? Yep. We've seen a host of rich parents pay for their children's college careers now. Some of them are fighting. Some of them had a, a few amounts of jail time. But people of all color, like, if that was one of us, <laughs> uh, the, the, you know what I'm saying? The, mm-hmm. the judgment would be greater. Well, you know what? Let's, let's keep it even more. Sim- yeah. Let's keep it simpler. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. So when, you know, my, my uh, 16-year-old now started, you know, become a teenager and, you know, how mm-hmm. teenagers want their own identity and they yeah. want this and want that. So, you know, little man here wanted to, what the heck did he want to do with his hair? Because mm-hmm. he has Afro hair. Right. And I, what conversation did I have? I said, listen, if you want to have these haircuts or whatever, you just need to know that when you do this, mm-hmm. you may be looked a certain way. Absolutely. The conversation that I have to have of if you wear hoodies, if you drive, if you, I don't know of any white people that have to sit there and have this conversation with a kid that if you, um, you know, get stopped by a cop. Right. You got to be careful what you say. Right. Do everything they tell you to do. Do not talk back. And so there are certain conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the hair because I know that. You know, some white folks may have those mohawks. And, you know, if you go in a job interview with a mohawk, yeah, you may, <laughs> you may or may not get but, hired. But you we actually, <laughs> no, but there, but here's the difference. Yes. There was actually an act put in place in California called the California Crown Act, which means business uh, owners cannot discriminate against natural hair because people were being fired for natural hair Yes, styles. yes. Right? That, so you've never yes. been fired for a mohawk. You, you get an option. Right. To yeah. say, it, you know, we might need we're probably gonna need you to cut that off or can you slick it down, you know, when you come to work. Right. Can you, you can you kind of fix it up? But when people come in with parades or with just their natural hair, because for them, it was not professional. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. What, what is professional hair? Like, you know what I'm saying? So now there's an actual act sweeping across the nation because women of color have been let go of jobs or discriminated against or not even hired because they walk in. Now here's what I do as a black woman. Every hair should be neat. I don't care what kind of hair you have for work. Everybody needs to be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Neat and groomed. But what you can't define is that neat means it looks like your hair because it's never going to look like your hair, right? I can pull it back and put it in a bun, but I may still have waves because I have naturally curly hair, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be as straight as a Caucasian woman's, you know, unless I do something with chemical and maybe I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there should be choices, but, but most Caucasian women, I know I've never heard of any of my friends say, yeah, they, they told me about my hair. They told me at my job, my hair wasn't professional enough. Yeah. I just haven't. And that's not anything against any of my friends. That's just the truth. Yeah. It's, it's a story that people have lived through. I mean, we can't deny people's stories. Right. You know, just because, again, just because it hasn't happened to me doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And and so, you know, we go back to this whole thing when I was talking about the whole white privilege thing. And it's just like, I was actually telling my husband recently, I'm like, I actually have a whole lot of privilege myself here because I Mm -hmm. just have not experienced any of this. And, you know, I could sit there and, and act out of just, you know, guilt and I feel bad and, you know, but the reality is just not my bent. But yeah. I will say that I then get the privilege and the honor to actually advocate from a place yeah. of neutrality, in which I don't have a skin in this game. And so I can still actually be like, um, you know, um, yeah, we're, we're all the same. Yes. You know, and yeah. so I, I love it because I think you've said it. And uh, are you familiar with Latasha Morrison? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was listening to a podcast she was talking in which she said, you know, if you think that uh, heaven is going to be full of white folks, <laughs> you have something coming to you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think heaven's going to look like? I exactly. died. I was over here it's laughing so hard. Like, it's like, do heaven, we really... it's not going to be white people. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> And that's why for me, when I wrote the book and you've read it, I didn't write the book because, okay, let me back up. Because a lot of the books or a lot of conversations that were happening and were happening on the side of African-Americans, I felt was always blame and guilting and trying to shame people. Mm. And I am not for that because the reality is this is not a your fault, their fault. This is our fault. When it comes to racism in the kingdom, when it comes to the stuff that's happening now within the kingdom racially, that's our fault because we are the body. (laughs) So the book never points a finger at any race. I don't even go, you know, you did this and you did that and we did this. I talk about it from certain perspectives, but I do not point a finger. The only finger I point is back to myself. And ask the reader to point it back to themselves, to look at your world, to take some inventory, to, to really say, have I thought like that? Have I felt like that? Maybe I have. And I've just never had to really, you know, flesh it out because my community, my world doesn't really call me to. And so that's when I'm saying we have to not just say this is happening globally it still is happening locally. We just may not have been as aware as we need to. 
Exactly. And, you know, which with the internet and with social media, like mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't getting away with a whole lot of stuff. I mean, people plop up their phones and it's just what? like, <laughs> I mean, you know, the whole thing in California, I think it was California, that lady with the, um, with the grill and these people barbecuing. Yes, that was in my hometown. Oh, Lord that have mercy. That was in my hometown yep. of Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. But what they did not show was that for the next month, every weekend, they were holding and hosting barbecues for everyone. I heard of event. I heard of that through another podcast. But you get what I'm yes. saying. But people mm-hmm. but that wasn't get, on there. That yeah. wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't there. Or the lady who in New York was screaming at a child for selling water and telling her you can't do that. <laughs> like what? What? You know what I'm yeah. saying? But or like here in St. Louis, and it was it was everywhere. A woman, a young African American male, lived downtown in one of the uh, loft areas in St. Louis. And he was coming to, he came to the front door and had, couldn't find his key, couldn't, and was, and um, was, you know, looked like he was looking for something. And so he was about to walk in because she was walking out with her dog. And she stopped him and was like, where are you going? And he was like, what do you mean where I'm going? I live here. She's like, where do you live? And he's like, I live here. And she's like, well, wh- wh- well, are you seeing a friend of you live here? She, he's like, I'm, I live here. Well, what uh, a number is your apartment? He's like, I don't have to tell you that. And she literally is standing in front of the door and won't let the man in. Then finally he gets in and she follows him. And he says, weren't you walking your dog? He's like, I- I'll walk my dog later. Gets on the elevator and he, she, he's like, she's like, what floor are you going to? He's like, what floor are you going to? Waits for him to hit the floor. She hits another floor. He walks out. He records the whole thing. Walks all the way to his apartment and she films it and opens the door and she stands out there and he's like, You're, this is harassment. She's like, all you had to do was tell me what apartment and I would have left you alone. He said, but I don't have to tell you anything. I live here. You know, and she was like, well, I just want to make sure we could have ended it. Like, you know, all of a sudden he should have just done the right thing. <laughs> and, I, I, and I'm staring at it like, wow, it goes on for about 20 minutes, 20 minutes. But in her mind, he didn't look like he lived in her building. And she was like, I've never seen you before. So what? <laughs> I live here. <laughs> I found my key. I, you know what I'm saying? But her privilege says, you should be telling me who you are and where you live so that I feel safe because I don't know you. And you're a black. Because the whole, her whole thing was, I don't know him. He's black. I, he, you, and she's like, you could have done anything to me. I don't know you. He's like, but do you know everyone that lives in the building? Yes, exactly. And yeah, she does. That's the difference. Yep. Mm-hmm. But because it was a certain level, he owned his own business. Was a young man whose business was 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 skyrocketing. You know, and and here he is on the news the next morning having to explain everything. But just by how he looked and that he was a black man, she was not going to let him in her building. As if she was the owner. And he was like, are you the owner? Like the way she was going about it. And he knew who the owner was. But it was ve- it was just very disheartening to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I- yeah. So me writing the book was not to point a finger, but to say God has given us 1 Corinthians 12 to sh- highlight why and how important it is that we are different parts, but we are one body. That there is beauty in our differences and that our differences are what makes up this amazing bride he's coming back for. And we're missing 
how beautiful each of us are and how necessary each of us are. So what would you say, um, I don't know if it was something gradual, if there was a specific catalyst, but. Oh, there was a catalyst. (laughs) For, well, for you to actually Mm -hmm. decide to take the, we're Christians and therefore we need to, you know, act therefore, you know, like Christians. And number one, and then decide, you know what? I'm going to be a bridge. I'm not going to use the guilt and because there's rhetoric out there that I don't, and I think Mm -hmm. some of that too was part of, part of like, I don't want anything to do with this Me too. because the voice I heard first with that white privilege thing, whatever was very negative. And I'm like, no, when I want something to be done, whatever, we're going to do it, you know, positively and unifying. And it wasn't unifying for a while. And it took me a while to hear the right voices of, okay, this is truth. These are events. But let's unify. And I'm like, right. okay, I can, I can get with that. And so, but we don't hear that all throughout the kingdom. No, we don't. And no, so, don't. I, and, and I know, well, I don't know. I've heard because I haven't experienced this. So you can speak to that as well mm-hmm. of having this delicate balance of, you know, the, the, there is an anger and a hurt that's there. You can't mm-hmm. ignore it when you've been mistreated mm-hmm. or spoken to or demeaned mm-hmm. or, you know, or um, humiliated just for right. looking different. Um, and then how do you get to the point that you reconcile of like, okay, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it in a unifying way. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I agree. I felt the same way for a very long time about the rhetoric and I felt like, we are talking as Christians, but we are really taking more of a um, political activist type of mm. role in our presentation. Yes. And it became more about race to me than it did about love. And because the Bible says that God is many, has many attributes, but he is love. Then for me, who... My desire is to look like him and represent him well. There was no way I would write anything about these issues outside of from a point of love. So as I was would see it um, and the divide, because I have had been very blessed in ministry. I've been in full time ministry now 20 years. I've been very blessed to be able to be in all different types of ministries, having led in a predominantly white ministry, having been, you know, asked to speak at conferences and, you know, and, and here's the thing, this is all before Dear Church, just coming, you know, and, and sharing. I have seen a a lot of things, um, but also on both sides, I think that for a long time, we, we have gone to our respective corners because we still do have black church and white church, right? We still have all these things that I think all of us want to say we have a market on God or we really, you know, right. You do, if you sing this way, or if you lead this way, or if you do the, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where everybody has this market on God, but what they're missing is that your market excludes your brother over there. Your market excludes your sister over there. And we've become very comfortable with our preferences that our preferences are being um, followed greater than our doctrine, what we believe in, you know, when it comes to the Lord. And so 
it's not wrong to have a preference, but if you're leaning or you're following your preference more than you are following the word, that's when it becomes um, a, a big problem. And so I was at a very big conference in London um, in 2015, and I was there on a leadership track. So I went by myself and, and they put you with different groups of people. And what was interesting is my entire group was diverse. Um, and the first night I'm in an arena with 10,000 other women. However, I could see and count the number of women of color in that arena when the lights went on and it broke my heart one because this was such a great conference Mm -hmm. right but two the second layer to it was that everyone they invited to speak into us were all of one race everybody was caucasian when i looked at the the flyer the beautiful invitation they sent Mostly, most people were predominantly Caucasian, and then they put a very dark-skinned African-American woman in there as, like, right? Mm -hmm. The token. (laughs) Right. And then they had one African, like, from Africa girl singing on the praising, but everybody else was Caucasian. And so as all these wonderful messages were being preached, and they're telling everyone, you know, that. God has this plan and you could be up here too and you're doing this. I thought, as I think we forget that we're visual, but where was the intentionality to include other women of color? But it almost seemed as if apparently you all are the best and that there wasn't another Latino woman, there wasn't another Asian woman, and there wasn't a black, right? Like that. And when they mentioned the other places they were going, there was a black speaker when they were going to Cape Town, Africa. And I thought, they don't even get what that looks like, right? For someone who is a person of color, they don't get what that looks like. It almost looks like we know there's a problem, so we're going to do it like this. (laughs) Yeah. And so the second night I was there, hands on worship, the Lord said, write a letter to the head of this ministry. And I thought, okay, I mean, she's probably never going to see it, but I'm going to do it out of obedience. And I wrote the letter. And of course, you know, I've I've never gotten a response. But that began just this press of the father's heart and to really see what was going on. But when the rhetoric started, I was like, I don't want to be included in that. Because I, I, I just, it's ugly. It's getting ugly. And what we really are trying to do in bridging this gap, I think, is, is causing us within the body to, to, to be further put on separate sides. Because you're trying to shame, right, yes. people. You're trying to shame them or guilt them. And here's the thing. We're trying to shame them and guilt them from a past that is real but is not now, right? So there are things that are happening now that have happened that are injustices. But I can't blame every white person for one person's right issue you can't do that yeah just like white people can't blame every black person right or assume every black person is what that this one black person was Mm -hmm. okay so as you know i'm moving through and just watching things at the beginning of this year i actually went to start to complete a a book that i was had been working on and laura was like no and so I just literally lifted my hands up. I was like, okay. 
And in front of me, I saw these three little books. And all I saw was these black covers, and it just said, Dear Church. And I said, okay. And um, I, I talked with my editor, and I said, I'm, this is what we're, what we're going to do. This is where we're going. And, you know, she was like, okay, look, you could get a publishing deal. I know we could shop, but that'd be great. She was like, but, you know, at a bigger publishing company, you know, they'll change some things, your work. She's like, and your words cannot be changed in this. My editor's Caucasian. Mm. And so she was like, I don't tell many people. She's like, you need to self-publish. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and so I went to my husband. He's like, I agree. And, um, and so I just began writing. And when I sent it to her, um, I was like, okay, Lord, this is, this is going to be a test because I know the way and that you've had me write this, that it is not finger pointing, but I want to make sure, you know what I mean? Yeah. And when she sent back her very few notes in columns was preach. Yes. Thank you. I never saw, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just this. And I was like, okay, God. And we just moved forward. Um, but it's really for me, there's no way I can read scripture and then go and attack only one sector of the world. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I don't even know how that works. And I didn't write the book for me as a black woman. Right. So then that takes it like, if, right. That's a different book. If I just wanted to write about all the times I've felt racism or all the, that's a totally different book. Right. But if I am coming to help bridge us, to bring us together, to unify us, then it has to be written in a unifying way. So literally when I sent the, the book, um, she was like, there's no conclusion. I was like, I know because there isn't a conclusion. And she was like, you have to write something. I said, I know, but I just need to sit. I hung up the phone. I was laying in my bed and my eye tap was on top of me. And all of a sudden I just typed challenge. And the Lord was like, that's what I want. Because there is no conclusion to this. We're going to continue to work and mend and heal. Because the thing is, we first got to start having the conversation. And we're so afraid to have those. And I think the reason why is because of the rhetoric that preceded love. You know, I, um, I hear that often too. And, um, I, I really like that about your book as well. So I loved that it wasn't accusatory, shaming or, or, or guilting anybody. Mm-hmm. You talked from your perspective and it was very unifying. I'm like, yep, I can, I can get on board with this. Um, yeah. and you can still speak the truth in love and you mm-hmm. can still challenge people to, you know, be Christ-like, um, with, without having to tear down, um, tear down. So I absolutely love that. But then at the end, I also liked that you actually did those challenges of, okay, so let's start looking inward. What, what, mm-hmm. what do you think? What, what's going mm-hmm. on? Um, and so just to challenge, you know, and, and when we pick up a, a book like this, we have to be able to be open to yes. being challenged and, and looking and being introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we just pick it up, it's just, you know, this, oh, this is a neat little book and then put it down. We're going to miss right. out on, on the treasure on the other side. Absolutely. Um, I, I, the, the church I'm part of is predominantly Caucasian, um, the mm-hmm. congregation right now. Um, but we do have, uh, and I don't know how many members, I probably activate, it's small. It's a hundred something people that mm-hmm. show up on any given Sunday, probably a membership of two something. 
Right. Um, but we do have a, a, a bit of, um, you know, we have, uh, I'm Puerto Rican, the other one. So I think there's two Puerto Ricans. There's a Bolivian. There's my Ethiopian kids. Um, we have Asian. Um, we have uh, some Ukrainian because there's actually we have a, quite a few adoption um, families in it, too. Mm-hmm. So that encompasses um, there's this family I haven't seen in a while, but, and I can't remember which African country they're originally from, but I know they're, you know, um, African. Um, I'm trying to think what else. So for being such a small congregation, even though it's predominantly Caucasian, I would say we have a pretty good, you know, mixture of different um, races. Um, and, you know, they're very, very much welcoming, but we can be, Come very complacent even in that and saying, well, we, you know, we have some folks here represented, so exactly. we're doing good. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, then, and that's yeah, it. And that's good. it. We're good. You know, and we will say we have a multicultural ministry, 15 people. And I'm not saying you, but I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah, in general, yeah. 15 mm-hmm. people don't make it multicultural. <laughs> <laughs> if there is still a predominantly 80%, like, 50 50 is is a multi you know what i'm saying yeah but 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 we'll use that as like this attraction like but then people will come and go but it isn't and there isn't enough of us and we aren't represented and here's the thing it's not just being represented in the pews we're not represented in the 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 service we're not represented in you know because i i think to be a really successful multicultural ministry you have to really understand um, and here's the thing, the culture you should be creating shouldn't be based on where we're from. It should be the culture of the kingdom. But what we cannot ignore is that uh, there's just different things that people are used to. You know what I'm saying? So someone who may come from a more predominantly gospel, right, black experience mm-hmm. may come into a Caucasian ministry that may be more CCM praise and worship. It doesn't mean that they don't like CCM or may not enjoy it. But why is it not okay to ever do something maybe more gospel? Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or to, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you, you see that there are, you're a Latino woman. And here's what I'm not saying. Like there needs to be Latino day or after. I'm not saying that, but I am saying that we can't ignore that there are people there that, okay. It goes again. The differences make us stronger. The differences make the body so beautiful. And so, what is their, not their cultural or just day-to-day um, encounter or experience, but what has been their experience as it pertains to the things of God? Like, where did they come from? What did they love about the last ministry? You know, what didn't they love about the last ministry? Why have they come here? Like, really being intentional so that you can, you know, that then there's like this intentional building mechanism to say, because there's one thing to say, we want to be multi multicultural and there's another thing to be intentional intentional about being multicultural and and I, I i feel the same way when it comes to black ministry asian you know what i'm saying we have all gone to i'm comfortable with these people they know me they know my experience right when it comes to just the world mm-hmm. and so i'm good here like i had one girl write me and said i loved your book but i have always been the only one being African-American in everything, school, college, work. And so I'm happy when I get to go to, to a service because I'm not the only one. It's, we're all, it's everyone is like me. 
And I told her, there's nothing wrong with the preference, but hear what you're saying. You've really chosen this ministry, right? Like, you mm-hmm. may love it, but the choice is based on, you don't, I don't have to be the only one anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's, it's just those things that w- w- we've got to pay more cl- close attention to within ourselves. To say, okay, I remember the first time I went to an all-Caucasian ministry, I went, my friend was the youth pastor, and then they asked me to come on board. I remember the first Sunday standing there going, these people sound horrible. This music sounds horrible. (laughs) And going, God, why do you have me here? Literally saying that, like, I can't do this. This is bad. Like, And it wasn't even like I didn't like the music. They just weren't good, right? And I had come from a ministry where they were phenomenal, right? Like, Music is the, was the thing as a kid that drew me, right, mm-hmm. closer to the Lord. Now you can want me to work here and my ears are bleeding every, oh, I don't even know how this is going to happen. Like, literally, I'm like, oh, they're the words. Help me. But let me tell you what I did. The Lord was like, see, you have rested where most people rest in thinking that the music is worship. Mm-hmm. So Preach. I'm going to teach you now what worship really is. And so I can go anywhere and it could be horrifying and I will still encounter God. Yes. Most of us rely on is the music good is the music. Right. Do they do like we are so caught up in now the program of ministry that we honestly don't even talk about the presence of God as much as we talk about the presentation of the ministry preach see what when we started coming um, i don't know if i should say this well it'll go out there but i i, I the music yeah well it's just not anyway so yeah, we all right we're used to some stuff yes we're used but, to some stuff and i just but, like yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> but yeah. i will say one thing that i i have a conviction about as long as folks aren't flat out speaking heresy exactly <laughs> you know, if i have a relationship with these people and we mm-hmm. do some semblance of life outside of Sunday. Right. And we are trying to be our best as we can as Christ followers. That was enough. Yeah. Because when we rely solely on our spiritual walk on, like you said, the presentation of Sunday church, mm-hmm. what's going to happen during the week when it's not right. there? It's not there. And when it's not there. Yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily the most encouraging thing for, you know, the music and whatnot. But I wasn't relying on that. And so that never exactly. really mattered. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, when, when we, we think of, of the wrapping of the gift and mm-hmm. not the actual gift in itself, we miss out. And so Absolutely. the gift of having a multicultural church is priceless. It's priceless. It's priceless. It's same as with having a multigenerational church. Mm-hmm. You know, the experience, the background, the knowledge, the wisdom, the um, insight, the walks of life that different um, ages, um, Mm -hmm. genders, uh, races bring to the table. Right. is priceless. And we are so caught up in the differences that we don't see what we're missing out on, you know, embracing those differences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's frustrating to me because I'm just like, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> why, why are we playing? We're, yeah. We're playing church. We're not being the church. 
And even if we look at, let, let's move outside of like where I go on Sunday, but even the, the ministries we attach to are the people that we follow, right? There, I, I think that there are some, there are fen- phenomenal men and women in ministry globally, you know, and, and there are some really top tier ministries that we hear about all the time and their events and, and all that is wonderful. And I think though, and, and this is where I, I've said to people, I'm like, okay, you, you follow this person and this person says this. But if I go to their Instagram page, what they say does not match up with their daily life. Mm. When I can look at your, you're, you're talking about inclusion, coming together, racial relations, but every picture that I see and all your closest friends only look like you. How then does what you're saying you believe not translate where you live? Mm, girl, that's challenging even for me. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, mm. but it's challenging I mean, for us all. Yes, yes, it is It's challenging for us all. And that's also too, where I was like, my world was so diverse. When did it get so not diverse? But also then I had to look at, well, these were this ministry, I, you know, this ministry called me to, you know, lead their help there. And, you know, and that was the way that ministry ran. Right. But I was like, but my world all of a sudden yeah. seemed to be one color. And I, I've never, that has never been my world. And so even my heart grieved. I'm like, I can't, when did this happen? I can't point at you. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing. So when I'm talking, it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't want all black churches. I don't want all black any, I don't want all anything. You know what I'm saying? They're, they will exist. We're not, I'm not saying that, that there's anything wrong with it. But what I am saying is if you are the pastor or the leader that is saying you're multicultural, then your life has to be multicultural, not just your ministry. Mm. You can't just come on a Sunday, lead a multicultural group, and then go home to your private world, and everything that you post and everything that you do may only highlight the one or two, you know, other nationalities, guest speakers you you done brought in, but you're, you have no friends, no family, no, you know what I'm saying? You don't mm-hmm. interact. You don't interact. That's not what you do. That's what I'm saying. What you believe has to be what you live. It has to be. So I can't say this and then not be working diligently to live like this. It can't. So so let's talk a little bit about what do you think? I mean, obviously, we're talking about racism. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But when I think of especially women, um, I can think mm-hmm. of a few black men. Um, there's, that's it, a few. Mm-hmm. And Hispanics, I can only think of, right. like, that, you know, speaking, English speaking anyway. Uh, right now, one, to be honest. I can think of one. So, Pr- might be the Priscilla same Shire, girlfriend, she, I love me, that mm, woman. Love her. Yeah, and then there's, um, oh, she's from, uh, she's English, but she lives in uh, Minnesota. I was actually on a lunch, uh, what's her name? Um, Joe, Joe Saxton? Yeah. So those are, are the two that I can think of from the top of my head. Latasha. Latasha Morrison, I've heard of her. I don't fo- I have not followed right. her. But I'm saying I can, yeah, we yeah, can, yeah, okay. we can yep. count the numbers. So right? there's there. Like so there's Sarah Latasha. Roberts, I don't right? know who Sarah that Jakes. is. So that's um Bishop Jakes' daughter. She's like the oh, new Okay, I've heard of him. Okay. Yeah. And so then and then um I think that's, you know, basically. And then Bianca mm-hmm. Altkoff, I've, I've yep. heard her. Bianca, she's, yep. a, she's a Hispanic, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know of any other Hispanic. And then men, there's Tony Evans 
and right. there's um John Gray. I don't know who that is. Okay. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then yep. You so you got one there, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of this um Bodie Bachman. Bachman. Bodie Bachman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. all I know. I think. Yeah. And it's just like, why? What's going on? Exactly. Because there's you, so, and that's what I'm saying. So what we would so what a person would assume is that, and and then this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a truth, but what we assume is the really anointed people are not people of color or the people who really know you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm coming up, if I'm young and I'm coming up, why would I imagine that God would use me if he only uses six or seven people of color at a time? Right. You, you've only named about six people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is we all, and that's the thing, people of color know who those people are. And then, Right, there'll be a new regime of another six, you know, in a couple of years. But consistently, we see hundreds, thousands of Caucasian leaders. You know, we're going to these big conferences, and we know that some of those people you listed will probably be the the people that will represent. But there are so many dynamic preachers, men and women, people of color. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have a certain notoriety that globally we, we may never see, but are doing phenomenal work and should be given a chance to speak at some of these conferences. So what do you think people are afraid of? Because I don't think that everybody up there in that puts these conferences together or even I just don't think we're follow. I just don't think it's inten- I think it's lack of intentionality. I think that. It, it, I think in one point it's like well we see the issue so we're gonna call this person right Mm -hmm. and they'll be one of let's say there's eight speakers they will be one of eight to kind of like so that's our kind of like a they're great and we love them and this will this will cover that thing we're lacking do you know what i'm saying yeah so what's what's our job as a people of color to show up and be heard and be seen or are, are they, but they're still being shut down a combination of both. I, I don't well, know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even remember how I even heard of Priscilla. Oh, you know what? I used to be part of this Bible study of this one church and they and just told Evan's daughter. I guess. That's, no, she but, is. Yeah. No, I yeah. guess as in yeah. that may be it. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. But yeah. you know, that's how I heard of it. Cause I love me some Beth Moore. So we were oh, doing yeah. more studies, and so Priscilla had put one out. I think it was um, Gideon or one, I think I did mm-hmm, at first. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, this was a few years ago. And that's how I heard of her, because this church, which is, again, predominantly, it's all basically, and I didn't go there. They just had a great ministry of just doing women Bible studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I heard of her. And I was just like, oh, I got, I like girlfriend here. <laughs> she just speaks, you know, the truth. And I like, you know, people that are just, speak up and, and are very, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, it's not secure. There's another word for that. Um, anyway, I can't think of it right now, but, uh, I just really loved her, her message. And so, (laughs) 